listening to the Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast. Today's message comes to us from Senior Pastor of Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church, Matthew Smith. Today we're starting a new sermon series. It's called Philippians, the book of Philippians. Last year, uh, Pastor Luke and I preached through the book of Malachi, an Old Testament book, and we thought we'd like to preach through another book. This year we're going to do uh, Philippians, a New Testament book. And I'll tell you what, Philippians may be the best book in the Bible. I don't know, Romans is pretty good, there's a lot of good ones, but Philippians is awesome because it's full of joyous encouragement, and it's also got a lot of um, um, instruction. In fact, next Sabbath, I hope you can come because I feel like next Sabbath's message is a God-ordained um, message to our church in this context right here and right now for next week. Uh, it's just a God thing that he plans and he does that kind of stuff. So next week is that. Um, but, but we start the book of Philippians today, and I hope that we get to just hear God speak to us. I like sermon series because it gives us a kind of a track, and we can just kind of get in that groove and just pay attention as the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So as we dive in, I invite you to pray with me, and then we will jump right in. Heavenly Father, this morning as we start the book of Philippians, may you guide our thoughts as we listen to your words. Help us to understand you better and know you better at the end of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians. Here's the deal. Paul, you may know him. If you don't know who Paul is, it's okay. I'll tell you who he is. He's a disciple of Jesus. He's a guy that followed Jesus with his whole life and his whole heart. And he takes these missionary journeys. And he's the author of Philippians. And as he's journeying around the the, the world, he gets to the little town of Philippi. He goes to this lady named Lydia. You might know her as the seller of... Oh, what color was it? Seller of purple. She's in the fabric industry. She's the only Christian in Philippi. And so Paul and his buddy Silas, as they're on this missionary journey, they connect with Lydia. And Lydia and Paul and Silas say, how are we going to preach the gospel? Pause there for a minute because you're going to hear that word a lot today. And I wanted to find it for you because the gospel is simply... The story of Jesus dying for you. That's what it is. And we're going to focus on that all day long. And so Paul and Silas and Lydia, they say, hey, how can we preach the gospel? And so they go out and they start preaching. Well, here's the deal. This, these two guys, they own this one girl that is demon-possessed. And she is fortune-telling for people, telling the future. And as Paul and Silas are preaching, this girl, she stands up and she starts screaming and yelling. And so Paul says, get out of her, demons! the demons leave. Well, the two guys that owned her lost a whole lot of money right there, and so they cause a riot, which lands Paul and Silas in jail. In fact, they're in stocks, which are these wooden handcuffs and feet feet cuffs where everything is all in one place, and it's painful, and they're singing hymns in the middle of their misery. That tells you who Paul is. And at midnight that night, the the earth quakes, and the prison's uh, doors and all the, the, the containers, they are broken loose and the prisoners are freed. And the jailer, you know this story, if you know your Bible at all, it's okay if you don't, he takes his sword, his knife, and he's about to kill himself because he'd rather die than to be ashamed of losing all the prisoners. And in the darkness of the night, Paul yells out, wait, don't kill yourself, we're all here. And it's in the darkness that Paul shares the gospel message about a savior to this jailer, and this jailer 
gives his life to Jesus, and his family gives his life to Jesus, their lives to Jesus. And so you've got the jailer and his family, and Lydia, the seller of purple, and they make up this, the, the only Christians there in Philippi. And Paul, on his missionary journeys, he ends up in Philippi with these people, and uh, they start this little church in Philippi. Ten years later, fast forward with me, because Paul is on another missionary journey, actually it's after his missionary journeys, and he is locked up on house arrest in Rome. He's got his ankle monitor on. He can't go anywhere uh, because he's headed to, to his trial, and um, he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, and that's the context for this book. Man, that was a mouthful. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. It's in the New Testament. If you get past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, you're getting there. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. In the New Testament, it's a small little book. When you find Philippians chapter 1, say amen. Oh man, you guys are quick. That's awesome. Philippians chapter 1. We're only doing one chapter today. Next week's chapter 2. Philippians chapter 1. Here's how it begins. The first six verses, they're kind of dry, but we end on verse 6. Here's how it starts. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. That's his way of saying, dear people. Verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, he says this, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. There it is from the first day until now, and then he says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Pause there for a minute, because that's a word. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. Somebody that never completes anything in your life. Someone that doesn't feel worthy of anything. Someone that doesn't feel like a good Christian. Somebody that feels like you're a washed up uh, person. Here's what it says. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, I love this because it says it's his work. It's his job that he started in you and he will bring it about to to fruition and completion. I mean, so often I think as Christians, we think, man, um, I want to uh, eventually work my way till I'm just like Jesus. And I think that's a goal, to be like Jesus. But it's him working in us that that brings us there. Not you. It's his work, his job, working in you to mold you and shape you and grow you to represent him in your life to be more of a reflection of who he is. Can I get an amen on that? Somebody. I mean, that's relief. It's not you. It's him working in you. And then Paul moves on to the heart of this chapter, which I think is pretty powerful. Remember, he is in chains, or he's on house arrest. He can't go to the grocery store. He can't go to the car wash. He can't get out of his house. He's got the ankle monitor on. He's stuck in his home, which sounds like a plush deal, but I think uh, he would rather be out sharing the gospel. Here's what he says in verse 12. He says, Now Philippians, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. 
I mean, he, maybe Paul is just an extreme optimist, or he just only sees the good in things, but he's rejoicing that he's in chains because it gives him, A, an opportunity to talk to the people that are in charge of him. The guards, they know why he's in chains, because of Jesus, because of his love for Jesus, because of the gospel message that beats in his heart. And it also is encouraging to all the others that say, Paul's sharing the gospel, locked up. I can share it all the more because I'm free. I mean, that's powerful. He says, look, I'm going to do it till I die. And, and in fact, this is Paul's life. He challenges me. As I was reading Philippians this last week and brooding over this, I'm challenged by the life of Paul because uh, it's obvious that to Paul, the gospel is everything. Not monetary gain, not fame, not have a good following, not have a bigger church. The gospel is everything to him. Man, is the gospel everything to me? I mean, I love Jesus. And I love people. But would I give up everything in my life for the sake of the gospel? I mean, I want to be like Paul. When the gospel is everything. He would do anything for it. He would be in chains. He'd be in prison. He'd be whipped and beaten for the gospel. In fact, he shares his life story in 2 Corinthians. I'll put it on the screen for you. What he went through for the sake of the gospel. Here's, here's what he says. It's hard to read. You can just listen if you can't read it. He says, I have been in prison more frequently, been flogged, that's whipped more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That's being whipped. They said 40 lashes is enough to kill a guy, so they'd only do it 39. He did it five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Anybody shipwrecked in here today? No. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my fellow Jews, danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. This guy's middle name is Danger. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. I mean, this guy would do anything for the gospel because to him, the gospel is everything. His life is this beating, breathing, living gospel message where he would die for the sake of the gospel. And it challenges me. And I hope it challenges you. Is the gospel everything to you. I mean, I think that the majority of us would definitely say, the gospel message is important to me. The gospel message is valuable to me. Or, I'm glad I have the, the gospel. But would any of us say the gospel is everything? And it's no guilt trip from your pastor because I'm with you too and I look at Paul and he's this superhero and I think, man, I don't know if I'm there. I mean, he, here's the million dollar question. See if you can understand it. Do you fit the gospel into your life or do you fit your life into the gospel? I don't know if that makes sense. Do you fit the gospel into your life? Like, ah, yeah, I, I, I can accept that and tuck that in there and it's for me. Or do you fit your life into the gospel, this moving message that reaches around the globe? Do you exist to share the love of Jesus with others or does the love of Jesus is it something that you've accepted and have inside you? To truly find out the answer of this question, I think you have to ask another question, and it's this one. What kind of sponge are you? 
You weren't expecting that, were you? I've got a visual for you. I like visuals. I'm a visual guy. Somebody thought I had a magic trick up here this morning. Nope, not today. It's not even a science experiment. Got my gloves. Sponges are funny things. You can buy them all over the place. I bought this one at Home Depot. Uh, they come in a package. Usually they're wrapped up with some clear plastic. And I think it's to keep them a little bit moist, although you pull it out and it feels super dry. This is your life. This is you. You're not the best looking person, sorry. There you are. This is the gospel. It looks a whole lot like a wine punch, and it is. Just imagine with me, this is the gospel. What kind of a sponge are you? For some of you, it looks like this. You say, hmm, the gospel, grace, mercy. I'd like some of that. And you come to church, and you pray before your food. Always. Got to do that. Mama told me to pray grace before I... And you, you, you do nice things occasionally, but then your sponge dries out. You, you come back to church, get it a little damp, maybe, maybe go to a prayer meeting once in a while, give money to a homeless guy on the street. Is that the sponge you are? Some people are like this. You come to the gospel and you say, oh, I like the gospel. Oh, that grace and that mercy and that forgiveness. Oh, you just bathe in it. You bask in it. You just soak it in because it's so good. And amen, it is good. But then you just sit there, enjoying it, accepting it again and again, and you just sit there soaking it up. And yet I think that the sponges that Paul lives, the life of Paul, the sponge that he is, looks like this. Isn't that his life? Soaks up the Gospel, and he pours it into somebody else. He lives to soak it up so that he can give it out. Are you with me? Now this is a mess. Whose idea was this? And, and I realize that not everybody is at that place in life where you soak up the gospel and you're, you bathe in it so that you can give it out to somebody else. I realize that's a hard thing to do. That's a place that not a lot of people are. Uh, in fact, just a few weeks ago, I was at summer camp at Cottage Springs Camp and and I met a couple that I recognize. Here's a picture of them. Here they are. Maybe you recognize them. This is Joel and Christy Davis. And um, they were at Southern when I was there. I saw them. I didn't really know them, but I knew kind of who they were. And they came to summer camp with their kids and uh, got kind of reacquainted. I really don't know them all that well. And yet, um, just this last... Oh, sorry. Let me give you a little context for them. Joel is a dentist up in Chattanooga. Christy's a nurse practitioner, but she is the office manager for Davis Family Dental. Joel's practice, and I mean, it's a booming practice. There's lots of people there. They're being very successful with patients and, and finances and all that kind of thing. And uh, just this last week, Jennifer was talking with her dentist. She works at Amos and Family Dental there in Kennesaw, and they were talking about the vision of their practice. And so Jen went on the website of Joel's practice, jo um, Davis Family Dentistry, 
And she read their vision. Uh, they have a slogan. I think it's something like innovative and, um, what's the word? Compassionate. Innovative and compassionate. And I ask, yeah, it's, it's cool. Vague, vague and whatever. You put anything you want in there. But it's when you dig into the bios of these people that you see that they are a sponge that lives to soak it up to give it to somebody else. Here's, here's their bios. Here's what Christy says. Christy finds her greatest fulfillment. Greatest fulfillment. Top. Greatest fulfillment from meaningful relationships and learning to love people as Christ loves us. I'm saying this carefully. This is not in the notes, so this could be bad. I don't know what's going to come out. Just be very careful here. Notice it doesn't say, finds her greatest fulfillment from being a mom and she loves her dog. That's great. We've got to have great moms, and you're the picture of who Jesus is. But look at this. She lives to give love uh, the way Christ loves us. She soaks it in and she gives it to others, including kids. I'm sure I'll get some hate mail. It's, it's okay. Bring it on. You know it was a good intention. Right, here's Joel. He says it a little differently. Joel finds his life purpose in serving others. He believes in spreading the healing ministry of Jesus by treating the mind and the body, not just someone's dental needs. He, his life purpose isn't to have, fix fillings or do extractions or make sure that everyone has um, not-so-bad periodontal disease. You probably don't even know what that is. I got a dental hygienist as a wife. I know these things. Make sure everybody flosses regularly, right? That's not his life purpose. It's serving others and healing for the total body. You know what that means. I know what that means. That means injecting Jesus into someone's life. His life purpose is to soak it up and to give it to somebody else. And the reality is that not everyone in, our, in this congregation right now is at that place in your spiritual life, and it's okay. There's more coming for that. But I know that there are some here this morning that they do exist to share the gospel, that the gospel is everything. And to you I say, well done, keep up the good work. But I think that there's a majority of us here this morning that want to be like that, but we are afraid. We're afraid uh, to take the first step because you're afraid that you might not do it right, sharing the gospel, that you might not have the answers to the tough questions that people ask you or this one probably the most, you're afraid that you'll share Jesus and then be called a hypocrite because you say bad words or you drink occasionally or you, you've done some bad things in life. And the fear holds us back from sharing the gospel message. And to that group of people, Paul has a message for you. Here it is in verse um, 15. Yes, here's what he says as he's talking to the people in Philippi. He says this, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Pause for a second. Envy, rivalry, are those good things? No. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. So he says, look, there's a couple of groups of people that are sharing the gospel, some that are genuine and they just want to share the love of Jesus. The others share the gospel because they want a big following and a bigger church and they want fame and they want whatever. It's not sincere, it's selfish. And here's what Paul says to those people, verse 18. What does it matter? The important thing 
is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, that Christ is preached. I mean, doesn't that encourage you? Paul says, look, you might be a terrible representative of who Jesus is. Share the Gospel anyway. You might be a terrible Christian, a washed up disciple, a bad Seventh-day Adventist. He says, go find someone to share the Gospel because when Christ is preached, He's lifted up and people's lives are changed. Go find someone to share the Gospel to. I think I love that news. And Paul yet again he tucks in this little verse that I want to just kind of hit real quick. Verse 21. Because it shows me his heart and it challenges me. He says this. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh man, that's next level living. It's like Paul says, hey, if I live, great. I will preach Jesus and the gospel message with every breath that I take. He says, if I die because of my faith, then let my death and my legacy help somebody else know Jesus. Whether I live or die, it doesn't matter. I just want to preach the gospel. That's what he says. He's willing to take a bullet if it means that his death would help someone know Jesus. That is what life looks like when the gospel is everything. I've shared this story before, and it's powerful to me because it's a teenager, a young person, and on April 20, 1999, all the high school kids woke up the same. Some were late. Some hit snooze 15 times. Some forgot their lunches. Some were cramming for a, an English test or a geometry test. They all got to school. Cassie Bernal, she's 17 years old. You may have heard of her before. She gets to school as well. She's already spent time with Jesus because she did that every morning. It was her favorite time of the day where she would dip into that gospel once again, connect with him so that she can give it to somebody else. She hadn't always been like that. In fact, she'd recently been involved in witchcraft and the occult, the furthest thing away from Jesus. But she'd gone to a summer camp, a Presbyterian summer camp, and as she connects there, she finds out who Jesus is and she gives her life to him. Cassie gets up, she takes her books and her bags, and she goes to the library. She's there in the library at Columbine High School. The doors to the library crash open, and the 17- and 18-year-old boys, Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris, they walk in and they shout out, All Christians, stand up! Well, the room is quiet until Cassie stands up and she walks to the front of the library there in the lobby. And with a gun pointed at her head, one of the guys says, Do you love Jesus? And without hesitating, she says yes. And he asks why, and he pulls the trigger. And Cassie Bernal, 17 years old, whether she lives or dies, she's a testimony of the gospel. She would take a bullet for the gospel because the gospel for her is everything. Here's the reality. I don't know if there are any here this morning that are ready to take a bullet for the gospel. I don't know if any of us would say the gospel is everything in my life. And it's okay. Because God says through Paul that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's still working on you and me. He's still forming and shaping and pushing and urging us to spread the gospel with every breath that we take. I want to pray for you this morning as we close. Heavenly Father, I'm challenged today in a very real way 
to make the gospel everything to me. I don't know what that looks like for each and every one here this morning, but I ask that you'll help us to understand the gospel for ourselves and know how powerful it is for someone else. May we live like a sponge that sucks it up to give it to someone else. God, we love you and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name. We hope you were inspired by today's message and we would love to hear from you. If you would like to contact one of our pastors, find out more about what we believe, or for information about our service times in Marietta, Georgia, please visit www.mariettaadventist.org. If you were inspired by today's message, please share it with your friends. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are available.